listening to Soul Talks with Bill and Christy Galtier. We're the founders of Soul Shepherding, a ministry of teaching, spiritual direction, and counseling for pastors and leaders. For the next 20 minutes, we invite you into our home and our hearts as we share with you our intimacy with Jesus in life, love, and leadership. We're grateful that so many of you are listening that iTunes listed Soul Talks as new and noteworthy. Christy, this would have been your dad's 81st birthday. We lost him about four years ago to a sudden and unexpected massive heart attack. We really miss him. Wish he could be with us. Yes, I do still miss him. And things like this, birthdays or events like the wedding coming up, my nephew this weekend will likely trigger some grief waves for me, for my mom, for others of us in the family. Seems like the larger the loss, the longer the grief continues. Mm-hmm. Grief does come in waves, doesn't it? It does. And sometimes they surprise us. Usually they surprise me. I don't tend to like when I get hit by those grief waves. I tend to want to repress the emotions and just focus on being happy for him that he's in glory with Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but we miss him, and so there's feelings of sadness that comes at various times, often when you're not thinking it's going to come. Mm-hmm. And it's important to feel those feelings and talk about them and share with somebody who will listen. It is important, and I'm thankful that God gives us examples of that in Scripture, pictures of Jesus grieving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we read in John chapter 11, when Lazarus died, that Jesus wept. And he entered into the sadness that Mary and Martha felt, even though he knew that he was going to be raising Lazarus from the dead. He still entered into the grief of his dear friends. And I've appreciated that you enter into my grief with me. I know you have your own grief, too, with the loss of my dad. But I have appreciated you being there for me in my grief. And I've never felt you shame me for continuing to grieve which I appreciate because I hear that a lot from people that I'm meeting with who are grieving. They, Especially if it's been some years or some time from the grief, they sense that they should be done with it, that they should be through it, over it, moving on from it. And yet I think our continued grief really acknowledges the love that we had for the person that we lost. Yeah, it's a way that we honor that person, honor their memory, and actually it's a way that we stay connected to them. Yeah. Because the loss, we continue to feel the loss, and we continue to have to grieve that experience of the loss at every time we feel it. Yeah, thinking about your dad when we're talking with our daughter about her new possible job in the financial industry and thinking how he would love to be in on this conversation and seeing what she's doing. And of course, from heaven, we believe that he is. Yes. But we'd like to have him with us so we could talk to him about it and get his opinion on things. I would have loved to have heard what he would have said in that conversation we just had with her today. Yeah, I think about when I go to a baseball game or just watch a game, I w- wish I could talk to dad about it because he was always keeping up with the teams. So we need to accept the feelings of grief when they come, when they hit us. Yeah, and sometimes they come with a, a sudden and overwhelming emotion, and we both experience that different things in our life. And you came out to the garden the other day and I was out there doing some work and you shared with me some feelings that you were having. And I was glad that you knew that I would want to listen. Well, thanks for being there for me, honey. I'm learning to accept what Ecclesiastes 3 tells us, that there's a time for everything. (laughs) There's a time to grieve 
and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance. And as I accept that, and I accept my feelings of grief, and I'm emotionally honest with myself and God and others, I find that I return to joy again. As I accept the waves of grief that come when I miss my dad, then I return quicker to being able to celebrate the legacy that he left and the impact his life had on me and others. It's such an important point because I think that we forget that, that if we deny our emotion because it bothers us or it's inconvenient or just feels so painful or maybe we feel needy. And so if we push those feelings down, we're actually numbing ourselves. We're detaching and that deadens our emotionality and our readiness to be emotionally present and engaged with people so we're shutting down sad feelings and not realizing that that also shuts down happy, warm, loving feelings too. Yeah, we really do divide our emotions that way. I'm thinking of the pastor and wife in Mexico that we've been journeying with through their grief. They lost their seven-year-old daughter just instantly within a couple of days to encephalitis and so painful, so much grief for them. And yet they experienced in their community and even in their congregation they couldn't share their grief because people saw it as a lack of faith. And it just was so sad. It's so hurtful when people judge us for our feelings, especially when they use the Bible or faith to say that, you know, you shouldn't feel that way. You, you should be done with this mourning by now and you need to be happy and you need to be more energetic. You're our pastor. We need you to be strong for us. And well, but you know, pastors are people and they have sadness too. And it wasn't like they were crippled and unable to function. I mean, there was some of that at the very beginning, but it was just, uh, they needed to be acknowledged and validated that, you know, they were still in process with this, still uh, an emotional wrestling and something they were crying out to the Lord about. I think it takes faith to grieve, Mm -hmm. to let yourself go through those stages of grief that Elizabeth Cooper Ross identified that have been really helpful to me in my grief, but also people that I work with that are grieving, understanding that at different times we'll go through the stages of denial and anger. Sometimes that's a funny one, you know, to think angry, you know, it doesn't make sense that I'm angry at the person that I lost for leaving. (laughs) But emotions don't always make sense. We still need to acknowledge them. It's just part of the reality of our experience. Anger Living in a fallen world, it's in different ways that sometimes as Christians, we think we shouldn't be angry. Well, we're we're angry just because we don't like what's happened and we wish it would be different. We want to be in control. And so we we're like pushing against reality. Yeah. You know, we wish that loved one was still with us. We wish that we hadn't lost that job or we hadn't had that health crisis that came up. These things, we don't want to accept it. So. Uh, we're rejecting the whole thing and we're frustrated that we have to accept it. We it's are. reality. Yeah. And then the stage of bargaining, that sense of if only I'd done this or mm-hmm. maybe if I had done that or if they had done this or we start to rehearse all these different scenarios. It's so hard to accept the loss and we want to bargain and figure out. We want It feels so out of control mm-hmm. that this has happened to us and that we could be this hurt and devastated and grieved. And so we want to figure out a way to secure ourselves, and we want to try to understand it, and we start to explore these questions of why. I often will be talking to women who 
His husbands have had affairs on them and they're just, they're in this bargaining stage and they're just trying to figure it out. Like what could have caused it and trying to be a detective. And when I identify for them that, you know, they're grieving, this is the bargaining stage of grief. And it's necessary as a part of the accepting the loss and the grief and grieving the injury. Yeah. Well, it's natural that we go through the if onlys and express those questions and try to figure things out and wish that we could have control. The process is such that we're needing to let go and needing to accept that, well, this is reality. This is what's happened. You know, my spouse has had this affair. And so coming to terms with that, then we can begin to move into the stage of depression, which in the positive sense is simply just feeling sad and Mm -hmm. uh, mourning and crying and saying, I hurt and I miss this person or you know, I, I don't want it to be this way. The depression part of grief, it feels hard. Sometimes it even feels selfish, like it's self-focused. Like I'm feeling sad and depressed about what I've lost instead of, in the case of my dad, feeling happy for him that he's not in an aging, decaying body anymore and he's in heaven. Well, and so we can be happy for him, but the fact still is you miss him. And so the two don't necessarily need to cancel each other out. And so that's what we're trying to do here is to hold on to both. Yeah. And accepting that, well, my loss, it's still a loss. It's still something I need to feel and share with safe people who can have compassion on me. You need to be validated. That's right. And so then sometimes, most of the time I live in acceptance. And most of the time I am happy for my dad. And most of the time I'm happy for what I've received from him. But then there's those times where those grief waves come unexpectedly. And sometimes for people, we hear from them surprises in grief. You know, like I think recently you were talking to a friend who's divorced. Yeah, it was a real sad thing when that happens for a pastor. It's uh, that puts their ministry in jeopardy and mm-hmm. he didn't want this divorce. And But, you know, it takes two to make a marriage work and grow and it takes one to just say that's it i'm done you know and of course there's a whole story behind that but what's the the main thing is he's really sad and oh. you know it affects his kids in a huge way and so he's wrestling with that and you know as i said it affects his ministry and so yeah he's crying and just you know needing my listening and empathy and which of course is an honor for me to, to share this with him and i just really feel for him I'm really glad that you're there for him. I know the gift of that, as we express our grief, we start to kind of get the flow of grief, letting the flow of emotions out. It can be a healthy, purgative kind of process for us, cleansing. Yeah, and so in in that sense, what I remind myself and say to others is that we need to trust our emotions in terms of that flow that if we feel something, it's probably there for a reason. And that's what I mean by trust our emotions, not that we would just always act on what we feel. That sometimes would not be wise. We need to think also about what's good and helpful and right and so forth. But when we feel something, we need to trust it in the sense of paying attention to it, feeling it, uh, understanding it, talking about it, so that we can begin to process through that, let the emotion lead us to what's behind that. Because there's usually more than is on the surface with an emotion. And so that's been the case with this pastor that I've been helping is that as he's been sharing with me his grief and I keep asking him questions and reflecting his feelings and validating his emotion and finding other aspects that relate to it to talk about, 
we're peeling back the layers of the onion and he's going deeper and deeper into the process of grieving. And in that journey, he discovers many other things that are important for him to feel and to share with me and to receive compassion and to pray about and to learn from. But if you just kind of go right into your head and just kind of, okay, this is what I need to do. Been there, done that, move on to the next thing. You know, emotions don't work like that. The heart is a very delicate core of our personality. It needs a lot of TLC. It does. And what you're talking about there, it surprises us that grief triggers grief. Mm -hmm. So when I'm grieving something, usually the grief wave is bigger than I think because I'm not grieving the one thing, I'm grieving the things that are deeper than just the current grief. Yeah, so in his case, he's recalling some things from his childhood, some sadness there, ways that didn't have the sort of bond that he really needed with his mom and his dad emotionally. And there were some issues in the family where there was a lot of distance and there was a high-functioning, high-achieving sort of family, but lacking that emotional connection and warmth, especially with his dad. And so, you know, he's grieving that. He's, he's feeling sad about that. And initially that just seemed like a, a distraction to him. Why, you know, wh- why is that coming up? And until I explained to him what you just said, that, well, you know, grief triggers grief. Mm-hmm. And what he's losing with his wife, I mean, that was like the closest bond in his life. And that brings up sadness from other bonds that have broken or didn't form as close and, and loving as they needed to be. And so he's feeling sad that he wasn't held more as a boy and that he didn't have the kind of relationship where he could talk with his dad like he's talking with me and receive empathy. That wasn't the kind of way that they interacted. You know, they did things together sometimes, you know, around cars and around sports. And he's grateful for what he had there. But, you know, mostly his dad was just busy and working all the time. And when his dad was around, he wasn't really tuned into emotion. Yeah, what you're talking about there, too, highlights the point that we don't only grieve what we've had and lost, but we also grieve what we hope for mm-hmm. and realize we'll never have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's part of with his marriage too, because, you know, that affects his family. That affects what Christmas is going to look like this mm-hmm. year. You know, everybody's not going to be together. Mm-hmm. We also grieve things that we dream about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was going through that with a book project that I spent two years working on, you know, the follow-up to the Easy Oak book I recently published. And, you know, I haven't been able to find a publisher that wants that and put a lot of work into that in three different versions. And as we talked about in the podcast, and this is important for me to accept those emotions and to go ahead and feel disappointed and to feel sad. And, well, this is a loss of a dream and uh, we'll see how the Lord might rebirth that for me and so forth. But in the meantime, I need to pay attention to those feelings rather than just plowing ahead and forging through stuff. And so you've helped me to to slow down and, you know, well, how, how are you feeling about that, Bill? And, so, Bill, how do you know when you're grieving or when you're wallowing in self-pity? Well, it's such a, an important question because um, we hear that all the time from people that they feel like if they dwell on an emotion that it's like a pig wallowing in the mud and it just seems so counterproductive. But, you know, there's a way of dwelling that is detaching and you're just kind of talking about it, maybe in a complaining sort of way, but you're not really feeling it and you're not asking for compassion because while you're talking about it, you're chastising yourself for having the emotion and having the need. And that kind of sharing is just frustrating for you and for the listener versus if you share in a way that you are 
asking for help to feel the emotion and to find the words to express it. And you're asking for empathy. And it makes a difference to you that the person listens and asks questions and puts words to what you're feeling and is interested and concerned and, and warm about it. And so then now that actually facilitates some relief. There's comfort in that sort of an interchange. And so that's healthy grieving. And that's the difference between good and bad grief is that good grief is you're feeling the loss, you're feeling the sadness and the pain, you're bringing into relationship and you're receiving compassion. And bad grief is where you know you identify it but you're just judging yourself and thinking you shouldn't have it. You're trying to push it down. You're trying to stay busy. And so it's causing some depression. And if you talk about it in that complaining way, it just makes people tired. (laughs) Yeah. Well, if our listeners want to read more on this subject of good grief, we have an article on our website, soulshepherding.org, entitled Good Grief. And it's not about Charlie Brown. (laughs) Yeah, it's Good Grief, A Process of Emotional Healing. And we go into a lot more detail on differences between good and bad grief and the, the stages of grief that uh, from Elizabeth Kubler-Ross that we were going through. Well, can I close this in prayer? Yeah. Jesus, thank you for your compassion for us as we grieve, for your presence with us in grief and in joy. Pray for our listeners, Lord, that your spirit would give them courage to be honest with themselves and you and ambassadors of you when they're grieving, to receive your comfort deep into the part of their soul that's hurting. Thank you that you do not leave us, that you're with us, even in grief. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you've been encouraged by this episode of Soul Talks with Bill and Christy Galtier. The easiest way to listen to our weekly conversations is to subscribe through the podcast app on your phone or tablet. Or you can listen and subscribe on any computer through iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, and soulshepherding.org. Thanks for sharing Soul Talks with your friends. There are now a thousand of you listening each week. Until next time, let's continue our conversation with Christ. Christ.